On this episode of Game Dev Hideout, Chris and Daniel speak with Eularis Badler, the game dev behind Arch Rebel. Arch Rebel is one of those games that Chris and I really appreciate, because it's nice to see old games get spiritual sequels, especially when the studio doesn't seem like they're going to be making a sequel anytime soon. Eularis Badler was great to talk to, and I learned a lot. We hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome back to Game Dev Hideout. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by my regular co-host, Daniel. And, uh, Daniel, can you introduce our guest? I, I didn't quite get the name right. Uh, so our guest today is Eularis Badler, who is creating the game Arch Rebel. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fine. Just another productive day. <laughs> Thanks hey, for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. You've been on the list of people I've been trying to get on for a long while. So oh. I'm glad that it worked out. <laughs> right. Here I am. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> because uh, it seems like you're very, so we find a lot of the devs that we talk to through Twitter, and it seems like you're pretty active there about bringing other people in and involved with the whole like indie dev scene there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like to interact with people just giving them some boost because sometimes I actually need one. So I think it's a good way to keep the community going. Definitely. And I think a lot of like, so there's a big thing on Twitter that's turn-based Thursday where you exactly. sort of advertise your game and all the other turn-based game creators promote it yeah. for you. And that's actually how we find a lot of you. And you, uh, like a while ago, you hosted it and that's how we found you. I also realized you guys just joined the Discord server um, recently, so that's that's yep. quite cool. Yeah, we got in. We figured it would be a good way to introduce ourselves in the show and just honestly meet more people. <laughs> yeah, I think so, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. It's been good getting to know a lot of you people. First off, like, who are you? Like, are you like a game dev all the time? Is this like a project you work on part-time well um i'm just another soul uh, from portugal pursuing the game dev career which is an old dream of mine since i was a kid a dream i finally got to put into practice uh, last summer and by this i mean quitting my day job and just going ahead flank with game dev uh, i'm self-taught i've been coding professionally since 2004 mostly developing uh, desktop software and having my last three professional years dedicated to web development, which is something I've come to realize that I really hate. <laughs> uh, as a side quest, during this time, I've been learning about game dev, which led me to where I am now. So, I mean, I've been creating board games since I was a kid, but ever since I got my first computer, video games became my number one passion. So is, Re is Arch Rebel going to be your first game? Uh, well, I have about a dozen of uh, unfinished projects on my drawer, each one more complex than the other. 
I'm not definitely compatible with the start start small kind of approach. You know, if the project isn't ex exactly exciting to me, I won't bother. Um, like making an Arkanoid or a Tetris clone just for the sake of finishing a game. Uh, mm -hmm. It won't cut it for me. So I'd rather fail with a large scope project and learn from that failure. Well, assuming I have the room to fail, I mean, if my life depended on it, yeah, things would be considered different. Anyway, I think failures are great teachers. Large scope projects really test your capabilities and it really helps to put uh, things into perspective, you know, like forcing you to be aware of many of the technical challenges, ergo expanding your knowledge uh, in several fields. And I think it is thanks to this that I am designing Arch Rebel, making sure I avoid all pitfalls identified with my, pre uh, my previous projects. Now, I want people to understand that this was my learning process, okay? It's not something, it's not the ideal approach to game design, but it's the one I found uh, the best for me. So I think the learning process is a plastic for each one of us. Something personal, I think. After all, we come with a different set of skills, unique backgrounds, different priorities and goals. I always wanted to make a version of Rebel Star with deeper mechanics, uh, Rebel Star with deeper mechanics. And this was the path I felt appropriated to me to reach that goal. Arch Rebel is like my fourth uh, and final attempt at it. Uh, it's all in at this point. <laughs> Um, but I, I was not at all familiar with Rebel Star. Um, what kind of, like, what does that game mean to you? Or how did you find that Rebel Star? Like, how, what, what did you like about that that moved you so much to want to make a modern day version? Well, it was a game that I used to play a lot on my old, and my first uh, computer, ZX, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, it meant a lot because, um, it was one of my first games I ever played, and I spent a good deal of time playing with my friends. We all were very fond of it, and I can say the game was quite ahead of its time. I mean, it had a moral system, it had a wooden system, a large scrollable map. I mean, it was amazing. You have pick up items, could pick up items, drop items, uh, carry dead bodies from one side to another. So it was really detailed, and that made an impression on me. So I spent countless time of my a uh, countless time of my youth just playing the damn game. So <laughs> I just knew in some point in my life I had to make a remake uh, about it. That's why you actually see Rebel on the Arch Rebel <laughs> mm. on the game itself. It's some kind of uh, tribute, you know. I, I did kind of guess that, um, and I see too that there's three Rebel Star games. There's Rebel Star, Rebel Star 2, and Rebel Star Raiders. Um, which one of those was your favorite? Uh, Rebel Star 1, just okay. called the Rebel Star. Yeah, Rebel Star 2 was pretty much the first one, but with um, an alien theme, you know? The movie I Aliens. See. Yeah. Oh yeah, really? Much, yeah, yeah, with the aliens, and you actually have characters uh, like Hudson, Ripley, and all that. But um, the one was far more popular because it had its its own uh, unique setting and the map itself would was far less confused. And I think that's why people prefer the first one more in general. And that's the one I actually play. Uh, curious thing, I only knew about Re uh, Rebel Star 2 after 2000s, I guess. I wasn't aware. <laughs> 
they actually had a, a, a sequel. But yeah, my game pretty much just grabs the first Rebel Star and and basically just starts from there, using the same premise and the same aesthetics. And I would say the same world setting. What like inspire interests you about game design? Um, you know, it's all about satiating my creative needs uh, to make peace with my imagination threads, I guess. Something that I feel both uh, cursed and blessed about it. Blessed because it really helped me to develop all my current skills. Uh, cursed because, well, it really got in the way of my academic performance. Thing is, if my mind simply flies away, my mind simply flies away when I'm confronted with a subject I really don't care about. And this still happens today. If you start to talk or start watching something on a TV, I just disconnect completely. Nonetheless, I'm particularly fond of the mechanics and, uh, and aesthetics that cope with realism. This usually requires more thinking and more complexity, but I believe it also provides more immersion in return. At least it does it for me. For example, having an inventory system limited both by weight and space available. Having troops with some sort of free will when they level up instead of just being objects, you know, you can meticulously craft if you were a sculptor. And having the environment, uh, the environment affecting troops, like giving the play the impression the world is alive and not just some lifeless background prop. And by the way, uh, all these mechanics are included in Harsh Rebel. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, it all comes down to the project scope and premise. My favorite RPG game ever, Gothic 2, really dismisses these mechanics, but it compensates with a juicy world focused on exploration, bearing a dynamic storyline with permanent consequences according to your actions. In sum, there are several ways to add realism to a game and several ways to exploit the game's immersion level to help players connect with it. Um, as for aesthetics, I think it all comes down to one thing. Does it look as something that makes sense and plausible enough to be used in real life, regardless of the world setting? Um, like, for example, if you have a spaceship designed to travel only in space, having wings makes absolute makes zero sense. So it's it's a lot about realism for you. Yes, uh, for as long it doesn't um, gets in the way of gameplay. I have to balance the both because too much realism can really destroy the gameplay and the fun factor. Yes, it can. <laughs> yes, <you> can. <laughs> so we're not going to have to be like managing food and things like that or uh, breathing. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I have some more games planned for the Arch Rebel universe. One of them will be a survival game where you actually have to manage food and the survival aspect. But it's a complete beast, a completely different beast. So, but yeah, here you just have to focus on strategy and tactics. That's the, my main point. Mm -hmm. So what's sort of the, the main story points of Arch Rebel? Uh, well, as for the plot, Arch Rebel is set on a distant future where the colonization of exoplanets is becoming mainstream. Uh, the story unfolds on an exoplanet called Caprical B uh, with a group of characters, which are controlled by the, by the player, arriving to the planet's uh, recently established settlement to start a new life there. However, once they arrive to Caprical B, Things go south, and they are now forced to fight for survival against an hostile force that uh, seized control of said sett settlement in secrecy. Uh, just a note, story-wise, uh, nothing is set on stone yet, so the promise can still change. The story mm -hmm. is something I'm living for 
for last. Actually, it makes a lot of sense. I get, hadn't really thought about it, but it really makes a lot of sense to get your mechanics right before you start exactly making characters doing things. So yeah, <laughs> once I figure out all the mechanics, I can use them to craft and uh, um, somehow infuse them into the the story itself. Because then you're not building a a story you can't follow through on because you exactly. can't get the mechanics to work right. That's oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I learned something. I've learned, I've learned that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I bet a lot of devs learn that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing about being an uh, indie game dev, I think you have room just to fail, you know. When you have a job and just mm -hmm. working as a hobby, you can experiment with stuff and just, yeah, being willing to, to fail. Uh, a large studio cannot afford to do that. That's why you see more originality with the game dev, I think, with the indie game dev. Mm -hmm. I think it's for a lot of reasons, though. I think that it's also that when you have uh, a team of, you know, maybe 50 to 100 people um, and, you, you know, the the people that are leading that team are kind of the suits behind the desk, it, it kind of incentivizes making much more safe decisions and sure. not not experimenting quite so much is when you're a single person and it's an art project and you know you can really let your individuality come through and absolutely totally agree with that it's a decision you make and you know it mostly affects only you yeah 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 for sure you you definitely live and die by your own work exactly <laughs> If more people work to me, and if somehow they depend on it, my decision my decisions would have to be weighted differently. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and it's interesting to me too. Just looking here, uh, I'm still sitting with like Rebel Star playing in the background next to uh, Arch Rebel, and I should mention on Steam it's uh, Arch Rebel Tactics, so that'll uh, yes. that'll help people find it a little bit easier. Um, and Arch Rebel is one word for uh, for people that want to look that up. If you are super into this Rebel Star series, like, I mean, your your dream has come true, or at least it will soon, because <laughs> this this looks almost exactly like Rebel Star, but like, obviously a lot better. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, um, I've, you know, people have asked me. What I what I would change about uh, Arch Rebel if I have a higher budget, I don't think I would. I want people to, at least the, the, my generation of people, to feel somehow connected to the game, because when you change too much, I think you lose that connection. I agree. I agree. Um, Daniel and I both have uh, some retro games that we're really into as well. And we talk about like, oh, they should make a sequel to this or that. But something that's always kind of kept in mind is like, well, it has to still be like pixel based. Like it can't, <laughs> you know, we're not wanting something that looks like Skyrim or something. Um, but the game kind of reminds me of uh, it also kind of reminds me of like an XCOM kind of thing. Sorry, <laughs> I just lost me again. No, it's totally okay. I, I usually try to describe stuff a little bit since it's an audio show. Um, so I, I kind of try and tell the audience, like, you know, if you're if you're a fan of XCOM, you should definitely be checking this out. Because, um, yeah, it seems like a, a sort of, like, pixel-based XCOM. 
yes, without the base development aspect, just more focused on the, the strategy component. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing people have to learn about Rebel Starter, if they are not familiar with the with the, the classic, the game took a while to complete in one single map. I mean, the game had only one map because due to hardware limitations, there was no menu. There was just mm -hmm. the game starting as soon as it finished loading. So it was just one large scrolled map where you would play and you have about uh, more than two dozens of units on each side and you had to move them individually like you would with XCOM, you know, using the old faction, old fashioned uh, action point system. So it really take, took a while. Well, in Arch Rebel, you will basically see the, the same mechanics at play. Uh, with, well, the interface is far superior. You can use the mouse and you can move units, multiple units at the same time, something that was completely impossible with the original. So it gets more fast paced, but not that much that completely destroys the essence of the original one. Mm -hmm. um, and I see too, it's going to be split screen co-op, which makes me really excited because not enough people do split screen co-op today. Did I give that impression? It actually is not. Uh, oh, it says that on uh, on Steam. It says shared slash split screen co-op. Is that the st uh, Steam um, information? Yes. Or some. Oh, okay. Perhaps I tagged the wrong <laughs> the wrong option, because <laughs> the idea is that you can play locally, but not with the split screen. You know, like we did in the past. We had one mm. computer. I would play, then my friend would wait, and then he would come take control of the computer and just resume playing his turn. So yeah, perhaps that, Steam, yeah, is not That is what I more. thought. That's what yeah. I thought that meant. Because, um, yeah. yeah. But people, uh, some of our younger viewers might not even know about stuff like that. Sure, sure. It's good to highlight that. Yeah, we didn't used to have like multiple controllers and stuff. It was your turn <laughs> to sit internet. at the computer or, or my turn to sit at the computer, and that's how right. it worked. I mean, it took two minutes to load 48 uh, kilobytes of RAM of information. Now can download thousands in a second. So, and from across the, from uh, the other side of the world. So <laughs> that's a big step and a big change. Mm -hmm. It's always funny to me to revisit that era of gaming uh, in the modern day because you have kids today that I sound like an old man, but <laughs> you have kids today that, you know, you might know that technical limitations and stuff were a thing back in the day. And, you know, we, we had mostly pixel graphics and things didn't always look the best. But then you come in here and you're like, yeah, we, you know, technical limitations. We couldn't have menus. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the whole memory of that game went to the map itself and features and mechanics, and they had to drop the the menu, which is incredible. Ah, oh, and if you when the game finished, uh, you have no way to to restart it, so you have to just turn off the computer and and <laughs> just reload it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Amazing>. awesome. Hey, you. Come over here. Uh, who, me? Yeah, you. Okay. Hey, 
Do you like Zelda? Yeah, I like Zelda. Who oh, doesn't? Okay. You like video games? Yeah, I dabble. I play them, yeah. Yeah. Do you like listening to people talk about video games? Of course I like listening to people. Who reads anymore? Well, 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 buddy, do I got a podcast for you. It's called Fan Fiction, you know, with an X. Oh. And you can find it on all your major podcast distributors. That sounds amazing. Oh, buddy, you have no idea. One question, though. Why are you in my room? Hey there, podcast listeners. I am David. And I'm Kate. And together we host a podcast that you might be interested in if you like The Legend of Zelda. There are lots of awesome podcasts out there and a lot of awesome Zelda podcasts (laughs) out there. That's right, Kate. And we are another one of them. In fact, that is the name of our show, Another Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We do a couple top ten lists here and there. We have some deep dive episodes and we even pepper in a couple quiz episodes. We talk about our own experiences, we do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. If it has to do with The Legend of Zelda, we talk about it. You can check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a lot of the other podcast services that are out there. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. All right. We will see you there. Okay, bye! So, uh, for Arch Rebel Tactics, is it going to be like a campaign, um, or is it going to be just the one map as well? Oh no, no, I'm uh, I'm going to develop a full fledged campaign. Um, at the moment, I have 10 missions planned, but I'm sure I will include more. I still need to know how many hours of gameplay each mission or 10 missions will turn out to be so I can more or less estimate the gameplay time for the game, which is also important to let uh, players know about it. So there is still uh, too much for me to uncover. Mm-hmm. And the mission aspect is one of them. But my final goal would be uh, having a, a large campaign so players can play in co-op, which is one of my main goals, one of the, the main features, because I'm developing a game with co-op in mind, but I'm still not sure when, how that will be released. And apart from that, I will have uh, a skirmish map or something where where it procedurally generates maps. People can customize and just play against each other or even play against the computer. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a lot of of game time. Um, I get too that it it can be hard to to test that as well because you you said, you know, how long does it take to complete a mission? And it's like, well, how long does it take for somebody that's really new to this versus somebody that's been playing Rebel Star for 30 years? Yeah, (laughs) I think I might might, uh, be misjudging the time missions will take because you can just move uh, multiple units at the same time, at least one at a time, but you can just issue orders multiple times at the same time. So I still have to understand, even though the maps are far larger, like twice as much larger, like 100 by 100 tiles against, if memory serves me well, 80 by 50 tiles on the original Rebel Star map. So it's quite big in comparison. 
but you also have the UI which makes everything else work uh, more easily. So perhaps I might be misjudging the time missions will actually last. Perhaps it, they will actually um, last uh, less time. <laughs> so there are still too much uh, I still need to uncover. I see. Um, and I'm trying to think of questions that Rebel Star fans would want asked. And one of the ones that uh, came to mind was, are there any references, like little secrets that point to Rebel Star, like kind of the wink, you know? Like Easter eggs? Yeah, or just, uh, you know, references to, like old characters Absolutely. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Old <laughs> characters are all in. Every single one of them, including the CPC version. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Was- there was a CPC version that I never got to play. I had only the ZX Spectrum machine. So, but yeah, I'm planning on including all of them. And one thing they should know is that characters are procedurally generated. So when you start your mission, you never start with the same characters. They are random picked. And the algorithm that procedurally generates them is based on their name. So the name will basically qualify what the character will be, which is actually (laughs) interesting because I don't know what will be the results in terms of attributes, skills, and all that. This seems like the kind of game that um, like like hardcore players are going to end up playing like 400 hours of this and they'll be like messaging you like, this was my end team (laughs) kind of thing. We've talked to a few other people that have made games that like have that like addictive quality to it, and this seems like it definitely has that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Or the people will message you like, I played 500 hours, like I can't stop kind of thing. <laughs> and I probably still have a negative review from those guys <laughs> because they don't like uh, the, the way the old character looks or something. So yeah, <laughs> I'm getting used to that too. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. I've seen all sorts of crazy comments and posts on Steam, so I don't know what to expect, honestly. But I'm expecting the good parts and the worst parts. Expect the worst and get the best. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's the attitude. So we sort of talked about what's unique about it. and what Were there any additional games that sort of inspired this? Um, It's all about Rebelstar, honestly. I mean... It's the very foundation of it, even in terms of visual style, as you guys probably have noticed. Then you have mm-hmm. uh, Laser Squad and UFO Enemy Unknown that plays their part in it too. In most cases, regarding the interface design. And well, then you have all those typical RPG elements like attributes, skills, and classes, and units being able to earn XP to level up, which inevitably come from playing RPG games. So, but I would say. Me being a huge fan of the original Fallout franchise, it's nearly inevitable not having uh, some of it on Arch Rebel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I another question that I, comes to mind for me, look, even looking at your trailer, I see you can pick up dead bodies and move them and stuff. Exactly. Um, what is the what is the reason for doing that? Why, why would you do that? That's a great question that people miss the point and the importance of uh, having to pick up dead bodies because they cause obstruction. And ah. if you move through them, you lose more AP action points uh, than you should. So this was a huge tactic point on Rebel Star. If you 
would uh, if you would be able to just funnel the invasion force into a tunnel and just let dead bodies just pile off, <laughs> you know, throughout the corridor, it will be really, really hard for you to succeed moving throughout through it. So mm, you have to, yeah, you have to try to move uh, the dead bodies if you can. It's not always an option. It's not always an option. But yeah, it will let you remove obstructions from the game. Then you had the droids that you could not lift. And there was only one single unit on the map that could lift, which was a loader. And only one team could control it. So the the defending team. So if you destroyed a large robot in some strategic place, you pretty much just blocked that whole corridor. I'm going with a different approach about it, but the essence about uh, carrying dead bodies to answer your question is pretty much that. Remove to me, that's funny that that can be a strategic thing. Like, oh no, Larry got shot. All right, move him in the way. He's part of the wall now. <laughs> 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 Thanks for the help, Larry, even in death. <laughs> that's kind of funny, but it's kind of sad. Well, it definitely adds to that, like, realism thing like if it's on the battlefield like you might as well kind of make use of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't act as the breach that's something that you could use for defense like hiding behind it won't act like that at least for now i could it's something i perhaps could include in the future but um because when you enter fire mode if you notice in both uh, rebel star and arch rebel uh, the map changes a little bit in rebel star it hides anything that is not is isn't capable of being hit and in arch rebel it just darkens the areas that uh, cannot be hit mm -hmm. I so see. having having those obstructions could also play a part future i'm still deciding it so let's see how it turns out i'm just still really excited for rebel star fans because like there's so many like old games I, I love so much that have never and may never get a sequel um, or even as like a really good spiritual successor. But looking at this, I'm just like Rebel Star fans are definitely in for a treat. Like I, I really can't imagine anything better than this. I can tell you that I have Rebel Star fans coming to me. Hey, this is great, man. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Which for me is a major boost in morale. So that's that's really nice to hear. We're yeah. Shining Force fans, which is actually how we ended up meeting. And um, part of the reason why we started talking to indie devs was trying to find that next Shining Force. And we actually have found some that are sort of in that same vein. So it's up, like the way we feel for that is the way I bet there's a ton of Rebel Star people that are like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's from a smaller studio that's really respecting the original games rather than like a triple A person coming in and adding all these new mechanics that basically change what it originally was. And butcher completely the mechanics of the original premise. Yeah. Yeah. Or saying, mm -hmm. you guys love the original. What if uh, we made a sequel and I get all excited and then they go <laughs> for phones? And I'm like, ah. Uh. What if uh, you made a sequel? This is completely different to what you have Exactly. <laughs> it's like it has the same title, but it's totally different. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you guys played Ark Survival Evolved. Yes, a little bit. Okay, so the sequel. 
I'm really not excited about it because it follows exactly that same path with combat and third person view. That's a good example. But it's got a, for me because I really like the, origi the original premise. So, but it's got Vin Diesel in it, right? Like that's <laughs> sure, is that yeah, not enough? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted more than that. <laughs> it's different. But don't worry, Vin, Di Vin Diesel is there. Oh, okay, that makes it then okay. <laughs> Saying I am grouping it, but still. <laughs> Is that not your plan for Arch Rebel Tactics 2? It's it's not going to be a, a third-person shooter game with Chuck Norris. A text adventure game. <laughs> a text adventure game. <laughs> there's your there's your April Fool's Day update right there. So, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just laughing. <laughs> so, do you have any sort of like anticipated like release date or? Just well, somewhere, somewhere um, down the road. <laughs> well, I'm putting an effort to have a demo viable by the end of this year, but uh, it isn't certain at this point. I have to try. Um, I'll try to have something playable, if he, even if it's just a proof of concept. You know, um, still I'm making no promises. I'm totally against releasing something unpolished and problematic. This includes demos and early access releases. Um, it would be a mistake for me to release something lacking proper quality. It is my job to release a quality product to make sure um, players don't get frustrated out of technical issues and bugs. I mean, mm. I'm a player as well, so that's something I really value. And I would imagine that one, if you release like a lackluster trailer, you're going to have to work twice as hard to kind of regain exactly. the people that you lost. And you know about the trailer? The one you have currently on Steam, it just represents like 20% of the game. Uh, the whole landscape will be redesigned because it is an alien planet, so the vegetation will all change. There will be, I'm planning a massive, massive creatures uh, you will have to play against. I won't, won't spoil the plot, but creatures will have critical play in it. And by the time I made that trailer, there was no AI, there was no sound. So I was kind of, um, I was a, a bit afraid that it would fail to represent what the game is, but traction has been positive, at least the first impression, which which is great for me, so. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see why. Um, I also realized, we didn't talk about, are you building this on an already existing engine, or is this your own creation? Um, I'm using Unity. Okay. This is the first game I'm developing with Unity. And honestly, this is something I should have done long ago. All <laughs> my previous projects, uh, I developed my own engines. I did learn a lot with them. It's not knowledge or something I, I regret doing, which is not. But it's just far more productive to use an existing engine. Sure, there is a learning curve. Well, <laughs> that's how things go. But I should have done it quite sooner, honestly. I see. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So uh, is Steam and Twitter sort of the best way to to find out more about Arch Rebel Tactics? You can uh, check out the game's um, website, which is archrebelgame.com, which is a blogger. It's nothing fancy, it's just uh, mm -hmm. some place where you can actually get relevant relevant information. But I would say that using Twitter would be the best way for you to follow me and to keep up 
to date with uh, all my development posts because you just need to search them by hashtag ArchRebel and you have access to everything I write about ArchRebel. This is something I would appreciate people to do more often also with their projects because sometimes I have to dig with meters and meters of scrolling <laughs> just to get that one development update uh, among many other personal posts and retreats of other devs, which I actually plug. But yeah, you can just use the tag. Even if you're just following, just use the tag and you will stay up to date with the game's development. Mm -hmm. see. Um, do you have a Discord or anything like that? Um, not yet. My attention okay. is going all to turn-based Thursday, which I'm now part of the core team. So oh, I'm just having that own channel uh, to commune with the people and just help the community uh, as I develop on Arch Rebel. I will have, once I have a demo, everything changes. There are many things I will start doing, which I am not at the moment. Okay, so that sounds like it's probably the best way for people to support you too, like following you on Twitter, checking out the hashtag Arch Rebel. Yeah, I would say that, um, well, I've been putting money aside for several years now, avoiding spending money on vacations and other non-essential expenses. So I'm doing all by myself. So all the money I've saved this far is just for keep to keep me afloat. And I would say that spreading the word of Arch Rebel would be the most efficient way of supporting it. That's all I need. That's pretty much the best the project can ask for. Great. I see. Yeah. And uh, once again, that Twitter handle is... Uh at you badler you uh capital u b a d l e r so if you're listening and you're like man this sounds really cool definitely head over to his twitter and uh check that out because i'm looking at it right now and there's lots and lots of development updates and more video and stuff so you can definitely follow the project really well this way mm -hmm. every time that i have something that is visually significant i just make sure that I let people know about it. Sometimes I spend a week without actually updating anything because changes are happening internally. So me showing code wouldn't be <laughs> that appealing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the internet's a large place. There would be somebody like, oh, he added another one and zero there. <laughs> <laughs> he moved the line to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we try to not keep people for too long, but did you have any final things to about the game before we wrap up? Um, not exactly about the game, but if you allow me, I just I would just like to leave a shout out to all creators out there. That's yeah. fine with you. Yeah, because, of course. All right. Um, I just want to leave a shout out to all creators out there, regardless of their craft. Um, just keep creating. Don't take failures as a dead end. Keep pressing forward. I mean, if you really put your soul into it, there is an outstanding chance you will succeed. Even this week, I struggled with the Arch Rebels weapons redesign from modern kinetic to energy-looking weapons. I had to try it multiple times till I was pleased with the results. Failing is part of the creation process. That's all I have to say. It can definitely be... Uh, it, you can definitely get discouraged as an indie dev. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's when you get overwhelmed, and especially when projects take too long, I mean, when they pass the barrier one year, two years, it's really, really hard to keep motive, to stay motivated. And sometimes I see those tweets of people just, ah, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I just don't have the standing. I recently just have a breakdown like that. So people just hmm. boost me on morale and it was awesome. 
I really appreciate that. So I try to retribute the favor. Yeah, one of the reasons we wanted to to interview people was that it seems like there is that community that that will help you work through sometimes your literal game bugs. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the support is there for devs, especially demos. on Twitter. Yeah. I've tried yeah. to do demos of people when I have the time and just, hey, this is great. I would just change this and that. That's my opinion. So they take the info there. They feel appreciated. I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for the invitation. I feel honored. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us on Twitter at the Turn by Turn Pod. We can also be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are sold. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts would mean the world. We will talk to you soon. Bye.